BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. A lot of votes yesterday, 25,470 on this question at Smirkanish.com. Is the Georgia prosecution of Trump piling on? 80-20, no. 79.12%. Ruth Marcus wrote a column in the Washington Post that caught my eye. She said, there's a concern about piling on here. Why stop at Georgia? The federal indictment sets out conduct in six other states in which Trump and his co-conspirators allegedly sought to overturn the election results. Will he be prosecuted in those states, too? At some point, it becomes unfair, yes, even to Trump, to go state by state. And that's why the federal approach is preferable. The governor of Arizona now saying that she's considering maybe doing that which Georgia has done. If Arizona were to indict Donald Trump, then would you think it's piling on? What if Arizona were followed by Michigan and or Pennsylvania? Today's poll question at Smirconish.com. Love this one, too. How many Trump criminal trials will occur before Election Day 2024? Your choices are zero, one, two, three, or four. Maybe I need to add a five to that list. The lead story that I went with today in the newsletter came from Huffington Post. I had a variety of choices, but uh, their headlines spoke to where I wanted to go. Rivals still won't cross him. And it's a reflection of the fact that Trump, having been indicted four times now, most recently, of course, in Fulton County, Georgia, nevertheless, has opponents who, not uniformly, but largely, are afraid to use this as a means of criticizing him. With the coup attempting former president, a little bit of bias built into the way in which they wrote it, but okay. With the coup attempting former president and 2024 presidential frontrunner now at 91 felony counts across four separate indictments, his pack of rivals, with few exceptions, remain unwilling to use that vulnerability against him. And then there are quotes from Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Mike Pence, and Ron DeSantis. For example, the senator from South Carolina, we see the legal system being weaponized against political opponents. That is un-American and unacceptable. Vivek Ramaswamy said that should he become president, uh, he would pardon Donald Trump. Quote, quote, prosecutors should not be deciding U.S. presidential elections. Mike Pence, who has criticized Trump for putting himself above the Constitution, says he prefers that Trump's fate be decided by voters, not criminal courts. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who many party donors had hoped would surge ahead of Trump, 
only to then steadily sink in the polls since entering the race, repeated the talking points of Trump defenders as he spoke with reporters from New England, even Chris Christie. This is not in the HuffPo report, but even even Chris Christie, quote, I didn't think it was a necessary thing to do once you saw that Jack Smith was charging him federally for the very same conduct. So said Chris Christie on CNN. I made that observation yesterday. There's a whole portion of the superseding indictment, meaning the January 6th indictment of Trump from Jack Smith that speaks to Georgia. So therefore, why is Georgia necessary? But back to the group of these rivals, why won't they cross him? They won't cross him because the base has not abandoned him. And to the contrary, as we've discussed many times here, the base has actually gravitated more toward Trump since all the indictments were announced. Can you imagine if Trump is then indicted by Arizona? And the polling data, it supports what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, there's an AP story today talking about how it's all good for Trump now, but it might not be good for Trump in a general election from the Associated Press. After every new indictment, Donald Trump has boasted that his standing among Republicans only improves and he has a point. Nearly two thirds of Republicans, 63 percent, now say they want the former president to run again. That's according to a brand new AP NORC Center for Public Affairs research poll. And it's up slightly from the fifth. Well, I would say it's it's up. Yeah. okay, slightly, maybe from 55 percent who said the same thing in April. So, you know, back in April, when he began facing a series of criminal charges, 55% of Republicans said they wanted him to run. That number has grown to 63%. Seven in 10 Republicans, seven in 10 Republicans now say they've got a favorable opinion of a man who is four times indicted. That's up from 60%. It's up 10 points from two months ago. I mean, the data is consistent. Trump's numbers have gotten better with Republicans since that first indictment. So why haven't more Republicans abandoned him? Why instead has he benefited? What explains it? You've heard me analogize here to police arriving at a domestic disturbance and having a couple or family members turn on them. And and that's why you've also heard me say here, domestic calls are so dangerous for police officers. You know, the couple or the family that are fighting among themselves now turn their hostility toward the arriving cops. Largely, I've been spitballing when I've been saying that. Operating on my gut and my loose recall of things that I've read over the years. So last night, I decided to see if the data actually backs me up. First, are domestic disputes really more dangerous? Well, the answer, short answer is they are. They're not the most dangerous, but for cops, they are more dangerous than many other types of responses they have to make. WRAL, which is in Raleigh, North Carolina, did a fact check in March of 2022 on President Biden. Headline, what is the most dangerous type of call for police officers? The president was quoted as saying, That And this is in response to a debate about defunding the police. This is President Biden. We expect our cops to be social workers. We expect them to be psychologists, mental health counselors. Do you know that more cops are killed responding to domestic violence calls than anything else? Did you know that? 
So the Raleigh affiliate takes a look at the president's statement in a political fact check, and they conclude, by the way, that he's wrong. The evidence we find, mostly from the FBI, shows that Biden is wrong. Domestic violence calls are deadly for officers, but they're not the most deadly of all calls that they make. They can be deadly for the police, but Biden overstated the data. I looked for more information. I found a story from Myrtle Beach from a year ago talking about domestic violence in Myrtle Beach. On October 3, 2020, Myrtle Beach Police Department officer Jacob Hancher put on his badge and uniform, started his shift, and responded to a domestic violence call. He never came home. For dozens of police officers nationwide, it's a tragedy that's been seen again and again. And then there's a quote from the director of the South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy, Jackie Swindler. It is, without a doubt, one of the most dangerous calls you can go on because it's emotionally charged. Domestic violence can quickly turn deadly for people who've been abused and for the officers who respond to the scenes. And then it goes through some of the data from the FBI and talks about the number of officer who's, officers who have died over the years in responding to a domestic incident. Another story, 2022, from CNN. Headline, domestic disputes are highly dangerous for officers, experts say. In this case, two Harlem, two New York police officers were shot, one of them fatally, inside a Harlem apartment. They were responding to a domestic disturbance call, one of the most dangerous circumstances for police, so say the experts. Then they, too, run through the data. It's not the most dangerous But it's among the most dangerous responses that a police officer can make. And in this story, after they run through all the data, they quote an expert. Several factors can make a domestic violence incident highly dangerous for responding officers, according to John Shane, a professor in the criminal justice department at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice. And then a quote from Dr. Shane. The first is that you're entering into someone's private domain and you're bringing a very public face to a very private matter. People's emotions are already elevated due to whatever dispute they're involved in. And now you bring the coercive power of the state. People are angry and they're angry to see you knowing that there's potential to be arrested and incarcerated. Hmm. So I looked up Shane, the professor, and I found that he is Dr. Shane, he's earned a Ph.D. at the School of Criminal Justice at Rutgers University, has an impressive CV. He's got research interests in specifically this area, and he's written a number of books and book chapters. So I decided I would send the good doctor an email, which I did last night at 935. Me, Professor Shane, I am a mostly I'm a mostly political radio talk show host interested in your work. I'd appreciate your response to a thought of mine that may sound out of left field. In looking at the way that Donald Trump seems to benefit, at least among Republicans, from each indictment, it reminds me of how a couple in a domestic disturbance unites against an interceding police officer. And with this in mind, I saw the following quote from you, the one that I just read to all of you, I cut and pasted. So my question is whether you see parallels. In my theory, the fighting couple are like Republicans, perhaps ready to leave one another or leave Trump until such time as an outsider, paren, prosecutors slash police, tell them they must separate. And then they rebel against the interloper and they stick together. 
much like Republicans stand with Trump. Had the cop not arrived, they might have left one another. Had Trump not been indicted, they might have moved on to another candidate. Any thoughts? And thank you so much for the courtesy of a reply. The reply came in at 11.08 p.m. Hello, Michael. I can see parallels here, and here is my take. Okay, so this is the Ph.D. in criminal justice who has studied the issue of police responses to domestic disturbances, now responding to my analogy to that holding together the Republican support for Donald Trump. What you describe fits the in-group, out-group theory of human relations. Although the in-group members may vehemently disagree with one another, they will unite against a common enemy, the out-group, Research shows that the out-group threat has been identified as an important driver of in-group cohesion among humans. Humans tend to display a certain intolerance toward out-group behavior, such as the opposing political parties' actions and policies. And the competition for power between groups will foster group cohesion. High levels of in-group cohesiveness may increase discrimination toward the out-group. Many of the high cohesive groups, such as a political party, may be more cooperative toward co-members, paren, Trump and the GOP, than toward out-group members like Democrats. The level of cohesiveness likely leads group members to tolerate in-group wrongs, but not so if committed by out-group members. Highly cohesive groups, political parties, often produce intergroup bias. One more paragraph. In our example, politics, the in-group will most easily justify or rationalize their wrong, Trump's indictments, as long as it advances their agenda, i.e. power and prestige, because bias tends to bind. They're biased in favor of Trump, who holds sway over their constituent base. Members of the in-group can more easily live with and accept the sins of one of their own than they can from a member of the out-group. The same transgression is palatable from an in-group member, but intolerable from an out-group member. So although the domestic violence victim, Republicans would like nothing more than to part ways with their rancorous family member, Trump, that family member still comes first. Sure, we've had our differences, but blood is thicker than water. I'm always here for you, no matter what. Since the bonds of family, the in-group, are stronger than the other bonds, the collective social or political good, the domestic violence victim, the political party, will put their family first and remain together, albeit dysfunctional, even if it means sacrificing the greater good. Which means I think he agrees with me. And I think he offers an explanation as to why, having been indicted four times, Donald Trump continues to draw such support among Republicans. So that uh, I really appreciate that. I appreciate such a, such a thoughtful and courteous uh, reply. That's Dr. John Shane. He's a professor in the criminal justice department at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Okay, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. So you, you've you said this. For a while you've said this. And now I feel like you have backup. Seat of the pants. Uh, not anymore. I've been seat of the pants Not anymore. 
No, not anymore. Now it's basically a dissertation. It makes, I mean, it makes, ooh, is there a doctorate in the offering for me? Uh, It makes logical sense. I think we all kind of know this, but I appreciate the wisdom of someone who has credentials who can explain why. Why? The question is, is that going to change at any point? I don't think so. I think it's strengthening. Me too. By the way, didn't know while I was having all that exchange that the New York Times today would take a full editorial page, headline, A Crossroads for Trump Voters. And it's the Times trying to reach the people that I've just described. Quote, and yet these questions, meaning about all the indictments, will ultimately be resolved not by the courts, but by the electorate. Republican primary voters in particular are being presented with an opportunity to pause and consider the costs of his leadership thus far to the health of the nation and of their party and the further damage he could do if rewarded with another four years in power. And then their closing paragraph is this. It's a long editorial. Mr. Trump has repeatedly offered Republicans a false choice. Stick by me or the enemy wins. But a healthy political party does not belong to or depend on one man, particularly one who has repeatedly put himself over his party and his country. A healthy democracy needs at least two functioning parties to challenge each other's honesty and direction. Republican voters are key to restoring that health and balance. It's a well-written editorial, well-argued. I don't think it'll hold any sway because most Republicans will never even read it. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Bias binds. That's my takeaway from Dr. John Shane, the professor in criminal justice at John Jay College of Criminal Justice and the applicability to what's going on with Trump's support among Republicans. Okay, Josh, I hit you with the theory. I backed it up with someone with credentials. What are you thinking in West Orange? 
Michael, there's more than just got to be more than just that because what what explains Trump's ascension within the Republican Party? If Ron DeSantis had been hit with those charges, I, I think that they would have abandoned him quickly. So there's there's got to be another dynamic. It's like Trump said he'll walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. I think that almost may be true. Well, I think another dynamic explains his rise. It was the way in which he was able to channel the passions and and the concerns of the otherwise, quote unquote, forgotten. But, you know, once having gotten into that position to have been four times indicted and a lot of baggage revealed, nevertheless, that his numbers are growing. Something else has to be going on there. And I've I've hit you with what I think it is. Uh, John, greetings. You're thinking what? Yes, I really love this analogy. Thank you. But I I think to make it fit best for the Trump dynamic, you must also suppose that the family with the domestic disturbance knows that this same police department is bending over backwards to be nice to the neighbor who has a similar domestic disturbance, but that neighbor is related to the police chief. And this feeling of being treated unfairly, nothing will bind that family together more than that feeling. Interesting. I hadn't taken it to that level, John, but I appreciate it. Saul, greetings. You're third. What did you most want to say about this? Uh, I wanted to talk to you about piling on. First, I want to say like and subscribe to everybody. But Thank in you. regard to piling on, you're welcome. In regard to piling on, if evil Michael Smirconish had killed someone in Pennsylvania and then went and committed manslaughter in Georgia, would he not be prosecuted in both states? So if Trump has committed a crime in Georgia and committed a crime in Pennsylvania, he should be prosecuted as, as many places as he committed a crime. Okay, but I'll, I'll play along and say, but I'm already being prosecuted in Pennsylvania. So why am I now going to be prosecuted in Georgia for the same offense? You may not be prosecuted because, you, first of all, you murdered someone differently. Second of all, one may have been manslaughter. One may have been outright first-degree murder. So there could be different crimes that he's committed in regard to how he's tried to influence the election. Right. You, so your, your analogy is and slightly different issue than, than where I am right now. But you're talking about what if it's what if somebody on a murder spree and they killed people all over the country? Would we prosecute them only for the offense in a particular location? And your argument is is not. It's not bad. It's not a bad argument. Uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Don, on the whole issue of bias binding and my analogy to a domestic disturbance. What are you thinking? Well, I, got, I, I never realized that until just a minute ago, but I think John explains my feelings. I, am, I was going to support DeSantis. I was going to support DeSantis for the same reasons I previously supported Trump. He's, he's, he's pro-individualism. He's anti-democratic party. Most of all, he's anti-bureaucracy. He's willing to take on the bureaucracy and the media. But now that they've come after Trump and, attempt, and are attempting to take away a voter's right to choose who they want to vote for, and that's their goal to get Trump off the ballot. When you listen to the other one of the other channels, that's what they always talk about. Now I'm going to vote for Trump because I'll be damned if I'm allow anybody from any party to do that. But I think John, when he talks about, you know, it's okay, but when you're trying to treat people differently, it really binds, and I think that's what explains where I'm at now. Right. I mean, so so you are the person that I'm trying to describe. You are the one who has been in a domestic disturbance. You were ready to go a different direction until the police, the prosecutor, showed up at your door and told you what you had to do. Well, not necessarily. It's oh. because of the timing. It's the timing. Had they done it right after it happened? 
Right. I'd say, yeah. If they mm-hmm. said we're going to indict but wait till after the election, I'd have said, okay, I'd have still went for DeSantis. But because it looks like they're trying to take away the people's right to vote for who they want to vote for, I'm going to vote for him because of that. Interesting. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for that phone call. Dean checking in in Alabama. Hi, Dean. What are you, what are you thinking in response to the issue that I floated? Well, I told the screener that uh, I think it's true because I think you're a prime example of it. And the reason I say that, prior to Trump saying one Corinthian, people would say October 3rd, November. Now you say October 1. I, I watch you on Saturdays, too. I know you, you that. shifted from 3rd and 5th. Now you say October 1, uh, November 2. Wait, you Dean, know we Dean, say hang on a second. Hang on. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Dean, hang on. I'm not going to cut you off. I'm I'm genuinely interested to hear what you have to say, but I'm not following. But I, I have something okay, you suspect about words, me. I agree with what your analogy is for the day. Okay. That when people are piling on, that folks going to stick with them no matter what. I see you as a very intelligent person. Uh, I, I, I've known, I've been following you for a while, like your analysis on uh, some things, and I don't agree with everything, of course. But I'm using you as a prime example that I feel that you're going to stick with him because I listen at the way you use it instead of saying October 3rd because you feel the piling on or whatever it may be. In other words, I'm using you as a good example as to what your question is. Okay. In other words, you you, you don't think that I'm here analyzing. You think I'm here kind of confessing like, hey, this is where I am. Well, yeah, and I use that because you say October 1, October well, 5. I don't understand. CC, do you understand the October 1 reference that she's making? Trump, I don't. With Trump, let me explain. When Trump said 1 Corinthians, I noticed yeah. that a lot of people Two started saying, and it's 1 Corinthians. Anybody that know the Bible is 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. But I noticed after Trump said that, certain people that follows him started saying, it's like the cover for him. So instead of saying October 3rd, you say October 3. Instead of saying November fifth, you said November five. Oh, oh, oh. help me, like, okay, I'm, I'm not so, following okay, this you, at I, all. I think I understand it. This is not a, a date situation. She's saying that you've changed the semantics of how you say numbers in order to give Trump cover for him not saying the Bible verse correctly. De- Dean, I've that I've is made, really, Dean, really Dean, I've careful made, listening. Yeah, that's some like some numerology stuff going on here. If Dean, I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> I am not that capable. It took this long for no, us to understand what she was no, saying. Dean, I make I am making fun of Trump. Anytime you hear me say two Corinthians, I'm making fun of the fact that he didn't know what he was talking about and he was he was just trying to suck up to that audience in your home state. Okay, well my apologies because when I listen to you No, I you don't you owe me an apology. Now, I, I, like, I, I love your call. He knows that's not the correct way to say that. I'm going to run no, I'm going to run with I'm going to run with thanks and hope you have a people when they pile on they yeah. will, you know, it's like a family. If I'm hanging with my sister, somebody else come up against my sister, guess what? We're going to get together. Exactly. So I understand the point. That's what I'm talking about. And I've, I've been, thank you, Dean. And okay. I've been feeling it intuitively, but, but now it's nice to know some people who actually studied this scenario in the law enforcement uh, context say, yeah, you know, there's a human psychology, sociology explanation for it. More phone calls in just a moment. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius X. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Tim. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. TC, what do you got? Well, you know how um, you, you often are saying that uh, people uh, in other media places are are using your show for show prep and ripping you off without attribution? Abs- absolutely. Without attribution. You, you say that as if there's some doubt but absolutely i'm not saying there's some doubt i like the guy in new york frank morano right you know why because he admits it right it says i read his newsletter and he gives me great ideas right thank you frank okay but this is my i have a different point this is not just a piece that you're covering if someone else takes this theory of yours this idea with then uh scientific and political data backing and you see it before you arrive on CNN. And I'll do it, be pissed. Then we will know. You know the, I got breadcrumbs. No uncertain terms. I got breadcrumbs all over this. Okay, <laughs> so just go ahead. Those of you like who sometimes it's just like you know people are covering the same story and that happens and that's okay. But this, I, this, I, I welcome it. Specific. Just a little attribution. I know, but sometimes we're just all covering the same this? story, Michael. Did, not, did I sometimes not just say it's not legitimate? This, this. Is as I laid out my legitimate. analysis here, I said, and I read this at CNN. Right. I read this at WRAL in Raleigh. I read right. this in the Myrtle Beach affiliate. I right. read this in the New York Times. Right. Why don't they ever do that with me? Right. And I'll be sitting there watching TV. You're going to make me blow my stack now. <laughs> and I'll say, I know where you got that. You heard it this morning on POTUS. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Jeff Lexington, give me what's top of mind, please. Michael, I agree with you 100%, you and the professor, but let me run this by you. Mm. I watch a lot, a lot of World War II documentaries, and this in particular is called The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. I know you don't want to compare Nazis with, 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 with Trump, but what it implied is that Hitler had put this evil spirit on the whole people of Germany. And so when you look at Trump 
and these Christians and these and a lot of these preachers, they love him even though he had no characteristics. And just like the German people, they were smart people. They was a lot smarter than to let somebody like Hitler control you, look, their you mind. Were right. You and were right in the first country. right. You were right in the first go round in terms of me not wanting to compare or, or analogize anybody to to Hitler. Like you were right when you said you're not going to like this. I don't because uh, I think nothing compares to that in terms of what explains the German people's allegiance to Hitler. Much too complicated for me to break stride right now and, and try and get into. Aaron, you're in New Jersey, Bergen County. What did you most want to say? Um, yeah, about your argument before, I wanted to say how you're kind of disregarding the people who are moving away, are moving towards Trump's defense. Um, and I'll give you an example uh, with Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows was accused of voting three times, the president's chief of staff in North Carolina. Um, but, you know, for people to actually think that he filled out three ballots as opposed to it being systemic voter fraud, Kind of, kind of shows the the bias, you know. It kind of flips your argument on his head and puts Trumps on the other. And I was just wondering your thoughts, Aaron. I'm I'm not sure that I'm understanding you, but let me let me go with what I first heard you say. If you are suggesting that some people who are more independent are also gravitating toward Trump, first of all, is that what you're saying in part? Yeah, towards his defense. I mean, you know, the okay. Kind of anti, so, well, and, and uh, if you're politics. and if you're saying to me what it, what accounts for that, it's not exactly that they're part of the domestic dispute. Like they're not the couple here because they weren't in the relationship, but they may similarly feel that four indictments is just too many. Yeah, I don't think it's a quantity. I think. Well, it's then, okay. Quality. Then, what's your explanation? Then answer your own question. Why? Why would someone not? in Trump's corner, not a Republican, nevertheless be drawn toward him now? Well, mainly because, you know, a grand jury isn't for defense, and the prosecutor can kind of selectively choose which evidence to do. I'm not but saying, I don't think know, that would be an explanation as to why independents would be drawn to Trump. It's not like they're—I mean, may, maybe it's because they regard Biden as being old and, and that they're nervous about Kamala Harris. Frank, you're in Dallas. You don't agree with my analogy. Why not? Man, you're totally wrong. I'll tell you why. When did the Republican voter leave Trump? They didn't leave him after January 6th. Kevin McCartney went down, what, in a week or two weeks later and kissed the ring because of the Republican voters were behind Trump after January 6th? You do it. You're giving a people a false analogy. These people never left Trump. Trump no. always had the, the. He always had the. Uh, 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 was the top contender to run to be president again. No they doubt. Wanted him no, no doubt. Back Frank, then. that's so true. Why are you giving but a false analogy? no, no, it's not nothing false. I've got the numbers. I've got the numbers in front of me. Two months ago. Two months ago, he had a favorable opinion rating among Republicans of sixty percent. It's now seventy. What accounts for the ten percent jump? Well, what I'm saying is right. What, what I'm saying is you, you're talking about these uh, the uh, 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 piling on. Man, you know how long it takes to do an investigation. You know how long they had the January sixth uh, 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 
committee hearings and uh, uh, and now you're now you're giving me a substantive response i'm sitting here trying to explain to the audience what accounts for the fact that he's gotten stronger and 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 i you know if you got a better theory i want to hear it i I, i'll tell you this uh one of the callers uh talked about the uh christian uh evangelicals i was listening to i told you a while back about jimmy swaggart they're still on jimmy swaggart's son donnie swaggart when they uh, uh, were talking about Mike Pence, guess what? They, now, Mike Pence was used by Trump to get the evangelical vote. Now, guess what they call Mike Pence? These evangelicals. Tell me. They Hurry. call him a part of the deep state. The deep hmm. state. Mike hmm. Pence. So I, was never, I, was never, yeah. I was never able to click through Jimmy Swaggart. He's gone, right? It, it, this gotta, this no, has to be the kids. Alive. Jimmy Swaggart's no, alive. alive. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna f- oh my God. All right. I got to move. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate it. Jimmy. Sw- I could never click through Jimmy Swaggart. I, did, I could never. I, just, I had to stop and Eight, I had to 88 watch. Years old. He's 88 years mm-hmm. old. Jeez, I thought he was older than that. How does he look? Like he's 88 years old. <laughs> Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.